Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast. This is episode number 34. We are in season two with your hosts, Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. How's it going, Dakota? Good, man. Ready for another episode talking about the Word of God? Yeah, we're going to be in Mark chapter four. But first, listeners, please share this episode. Uh, That's how you support this podcast. If you are a regular listener, get somebody else listening to the podcast. Yeah. I mean, that's really all we want to do is share the gospel, share God's word, teach others, equip others uh, to be disciples of Jesus Christ and to really get some good knowledge on how to read the word, how to talk about it with somebody one-on-one and just encourage people. So share it on social media or whatever platform that you use. Uh, That could even be email, uh, just telling someone word of mouth, but uh, we just want people to hear more uh, you know, just good teaching, yeah. just the truth going through Scripture. Oh, man, I tell you what, we are living in a world full of confusion, aren't we? Oh, we really are. Yeah, it's... That's not an understatement. Yeah, yeah, I, I it is, it, there's a news story every day that's just so far off of the truth and yeah. uh, really what should get people excited about life. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the opposite. Yeah, I just see tons of it, and I'm excited about life because of who Jesus is. Right, that's what excites me. I've got the truth. I know it. Yeah, I'm living for God. I'm living for Jesus. I'm right. living for a purpose. Right, and that's what excites me every day. That's why I get up. Uh, that's why I'm obedient because it is truth. Mm-hmm. Even when I waver, even when I sin, mm-hmm. I know where to. St- I know where to go, and that's Jesus. So uh, this is the week of, of Easter. Yeah, uh, coming up this Sunday, and so uh, I've been reminded multiple times of just what Jesus did on the cross, and uh, that He is resurrected. And uh, a good episode to listen to. I shared it with our church this morning. Is uh, we did an episode with Dr. Gary Habermas, who really does a tons of research on the resurrection. That's kind of what he does. That's kind of his thing. So if you just want to hear about the resurrection this week, go check out uh, our episode titled Dr. Gary Habermas, The Resurrection, and just get a brush up on why the resurrection is so important to Christianity, uh, because it really is the foundation of, of our faith. Jesus was raised from the dead. Amen. He is no longer dead. He is alive. On the third day, he was risen. And so there's tons of evidence for it. And he kind of breaks that down in a really easy way, uh, which I thought was valuable to any Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when it comes down to it, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, as it says by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ isn't raised, then we're still dead in our sins. And by the way, we of most men are to be pitied as fools. I think one thing that shocks my students when I'm teaching gospels class over at uh, Ottawa University is I actually have a specific class midway through the semester where I just tell them, look, I'm going to teach on the resurrection today, and I'm going to let you all know today that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then I'll stop being a Christian right now. I'll stop being a, a Christian, stop being a pastor, I'll leave my faith behind, I'll do it all. Because if, think about it, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then there's no proof that he paid for your sins. And if you're still dead in your sins, then why would I follow Jesus? But because Christ raised from the dead, he has paid the debt for my sin. That's a savior I can follow and want to follow every day of my life. And most students take that really well. They're actually surprised I say that because it shows that we as Christians aren't just following Jesus with some type of imbecilism like faith. In other words, you know, we don't have the faith like we believe in. 
let's say the tooth fairy or Santa Claus. No, we're believing in legitimate faith because there are facts behind it. Mm -hmm. Christ raised from the dead. The New Testament exists because of the resurrection event itself. Without the resurrection, we don't have a New Testament Bible. There's no reason to preach, no reason to write letters. It all comes down to the resurrection and uh, our, our Savior lives. And even on the worst day, most difficult days, Christ is risen. You know, and that's what we have to look forward to in life. We've got a savior who's alive. He's not dead like Buddha, Allah, you know, <laughs> all these other religions and whatnot. We have a, a a savior who sits at the right hand of the Father and and intercedes for us actively. Amen. Yeah, I don't see the apostles going out and doing what they did mm-hmm. without a resurrected Jesus. Right. I think they would have. It would have died out. It would yeah. have just been a small little uh, following of of a teacher. That's right. Uh, and we probably wouldn't, it'd be a blip in history, to it, be honest. It would. That's all it would be. It would. And I don't think something uh, like the Bible is just a blip in history. Uh, it is huge, and it uh, spread all over the world because of the resurrected Christ. But if you want some facts from an argument standpoint and an apologetic standpoint, um, yeah, go back and listen to that episode. It's great. Yeah. I think it'll just really help with any argument Mm-hmm. Um, even from the perspective of a skeptic, right. even within the rules and the boundaries that a skeptic puts in place, right. these arguments cannot be beaten. So yeah, check it out. It's called the Six Minimal Facts Theory by Gary Habermas. This is what he got his doctorate in. He's the world's leading scholar on the subject of the resurrection. Uh, these are six facts about Jesus and the early Christians that both Christians and non-Christians today have to agree on these facts, and they actually point to the resurrection. Yeah, Dakota... Can you go ahead and pray for us? Yeah. And we'll get started in Mark. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we need help with this uh, episode. You know, what we're about to get into is the the, the parable of the sower and the soils. Uh, so there's a lot to discuss here. Yeah. Yeah. Father, um, I'm just humbled because I, I just remember right now that, Lord, serving you is better than doing ministry. Lord, I'm uh, more inspired and more captivated by who you are and more passionate about you than working for you. And at the same time, God, I thank you that I I get to work for for you out of a passion for you. I thank you for my brother here, Pastor Kyle. God, I ask you that this discussion would just be glorifying to you. I pray that it would benefit our listeners and our church family specifically. Draw us close to you, Lord, and help us to be hungry for the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was reminded when we... uh... When we first started this podcast, I remember it was we just... We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> and really the purpose, one, yeah, we wanted to equip people, but another one was just, we just wanted a time to hang out yeah, and just talk yeah, and have fun. And so uh, <laughs> I know we're both in Kansas and we're both doing ministry together, but it is a time set aside that we can just come in here and hang out and talk. We get to have fun. Yeah. And so it still <laughs> serves the same purpose. Yeah. Uh, so as friends, we just get to come in here and talk about the Bible and mm-hmm. spend spend a little time together and... I think that's that's the best part. So uh, I hope anybody else can use this podcast really to do the same thing, yeah. uh, spend some time with somebody uh, and talk about the Bible. Yeah, just just remember that. You know, yes, we are trying to trailblaze these discussions for you to give you a heads up so that you can disciple other people. And by the way, having said that, I just want to challenge you. Again, living sent and making disciples is something that you can prove on your calendar. So we, we encourage you to get out there and do it. Meet with people, even if you're discipling one person, do it and have follow-up with them every single week or every two weeks. But on another level of things, exactly what you just said, 
our continued discussion as friends is a perspective of discipleship itself. You know, you got to find someone that your your iron sharpens iron with, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we encourage you to get involved, to read the Word of God in community with others. Yep. All right, so we're in Mark chapter four, uh, starting in verse one. I'm going to go through uh, verse nine here. It says again. He began to teach beside the sea. This is Jesus. And a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got in so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was preaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and he sowed. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground and where it had where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yet again and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So first, we haven't had a parable yet. Yeah, this is the first time you really see Jesus teaching and speaking extensively. I mean, the first few chapters you get Jesus making a few statements here and there mm-hmm. to the Pharisees. And Mark is doing that intentionally because he's he's just recording the, the short little statements or little blurbs, if you will, mm-hmm to summarize Jesus' teaching, but now you start to see Mark making a point as to one of the parables he wants to focus on the most, yeah, it's and it's al- here. It's almost up to this point, like, you know, like an action movie where the action star only really has a bunch of good one-lines? Right. That was the first three chapters. Yeah. Because <laughs> Jesus, right, kind of action, yeah. he's uh, casting out demons, he's healing people, yeah. and then he just has all these, like, sharp one-liners yep. to the Pharisees. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the first three I'll chapters. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now we actually see a little bit more of his teaching yeah. through parable, and parables can be tricky. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be honest. Uh, sometimes they're not. They're kind of Mister Miyagi like, right? There's like this meaning there, and mm. and it's very smooth it, of you, Kyle. Very it smooth. is. It is. <laughs> and and so it just it comes across in this way that can be difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. One, we didn't. We're not living in that time, right? Jesus is telling a parable to relate to the people he's speaking to. They would understand this this uh, description of what he's saying in in a way. Uh, but I think there's still a part of it where they're going to need to seek mm-hmm. more of what he's saying, right? Yeah. They're going to need an, an understanding of this parable, even though they may understand farming yep. uh, and growing things, but they may still not understand what he's exactly saying. Well, it, it can be broken down like this. Jesus always speaks in parables to communicate a truthful, a truthful point about reality. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is not interesting in teaching us about agriculture here. I mean, maybe he does that uh, by default, but that's not his point. The point of the parable, the word parable is parabole. It actually means to cast aside, the word para, to come alongside. Uh, It means to cast aside. So as Jesus is in the middle of his teaching, he's throwing something to the right, throwing something to the left, throwing something to the right, throwing something to the left. And he's, he's trying to veil literally put a veil over the points he's making 
because it tests people's hearts. Mm -hmm. Either you care enough to seek out what the parable really means for the ultimate reality of it, or you don't care enough and you walk away and at least you don't incur as much judgment upon your life. You know, at least the truth was veiled for you so that Jesus is protecting you for from further judgment. I mean, that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So we have a, a sower. Yes. Uh, who A farmer. Yep. Someone casting out seed. Right. Um, which to me is kind of interesting because today that it's precision planting today, yeah. right? <laughs> yep. uh, but we have someone casting out seed. Uh, some falls on the path, a, a rocky ground. Some falls... Uh, in in the thorns, some falling good soil. I mean, we have all these places that these seeds are landing, mm-hmm. uh, and depending on where they land, it kind of depends on how well they do. Right. That's kind of the picture we see here. Right. And we don't yet know who the sower is, what the seed is, not yet at least. Nope, not yet. And so that's kind of where we're at now. So we know this happens. And in verse 9, he says, he who has an ear... To hear, let him hear. Mm-hmm. So it's almost Jesus saying, are you willing to listen? Right. If so, then listen. Then listen. Yeah. And so he kind of con- then continues. Yeah. Um, so let's let's leave it there. Well, first I was going to say, let's just summarize the categories really quick. So verses three and four, some seed was sown alongside the road. Birds came and ate it up. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Category number two, starting in verse five, other seed fell on the rocky ground, didn't have much soil, it sprang up for the short term, had no depth of soil, the sun came, scorched it up, it had no root, it withered away. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at least something grew, but nevertheless, the second category, it essentially died as well. Next category, verse seven, other seed fell among the thorns, the thorns came up, choked it out, yielded no crop. Okay, so it did fully grow up, but there was something that impeded, uh, I guess you could say, the ability for it to grow anything productively, Mm -hmm. to multiply. So that'd be category number three. And then category number four, of course, is the one that multiplies over and over and over and over because it lands in good soil and it produces a greater crop, 30, 60, 100 times fold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have four categories moving forward. Yeah. All right. Do you want to start reading verse 10? Yeah, I'll do verse 10. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve began asking him about the parables. That's interesting to me. Even the disciples are like, hey, uh, what are you teaching? (laughs) Verse 11, and he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. That's a key phrase, the kingdom of God. But those who are outside get everything in parables. And then he makes this quotation from Isaiah. He says in verse 12, so that while seeing they may not perceive And while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. I mean, that's a statement from Isaiah that's always somewhat confused me, unless you really focus in on it. But it's a statement from Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah is having his heavenly vision of the Lord, lofty and seated on his throne. And then God says to Isaiah, I want you to go before me and send a message to the people. But listen... People are going to see, but they won't see. Hear, but they won't hear. You know, uh, otherwise, if they did, they'd they'd turn back and they'd be healed. Mm -hmm. Which is so interesting to me. That's literally God saying he's veiling his truth and his message from the people on purpose. Yeah, I mean, 
first we kind of have a people who are blind in the first place. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, they don't, he's, he's teaching them. So the idea that they don't really know much as it is mm-hmm. of what he's teaching. Um, and Jesus uses this method to challenge them to dig in further, mm-hmm. right. To, yeah. to do the, the double take, right. Yes. To look back. Yes. Um, and I think that's an important piece. He's almost challenging their hearts. Yep. Uh, how much do you really want to know? Because yep. um, I think up to this point, we've seen a lot of really cool things by Jesus, yep. like healing, which yep. a lot of people may be seeking out from him. But this teaching almost pushes people to another level that they either go one way or the other. Yeah, They either go, oh, that didn't really make sense, mm-hmm. weird, and kind of walk away. Yeah, <laughs> And then there's the other people who are like, wow, that that was interesting, but I want to know more. Mm-hmm. Uh can, yep. can you talk more on that and and, yep. and ask questions? So yep. I think you're going to have a, two different people here in this in this situation. David Guzik makes point of this. He says, by quoting this passage from Isaiah 6, Jesus explained why he used parables. In teaching by parables, Jesus offered his hearers the opportunity to dig deep and find the truth or to turn a blind eye to an interesting story. They might therefore avoid a greater condemnation for having rejected a clearly understood truth. Jesus didn't use parables to blind people, but because they were blind. Therefore, Jesus used the parabolic method not in order to blind them, but in order to make them look again, not in order to prevent them from coming to forgiveness, but in order to lure them toward a new attention. Uh, That was also a, a commentator named Morgan who said that. Also, so that their guilt may not accumulate, the Lord no longer addresses them directly in explicit teachings during the period immediately preceding his crucifixion, but he addresses them in parables. And the last statement says this, In light of this, how blessed are those who do understand the parables of Jesus. Not only do they gain the benefit of the spiritual truth illustrated, they also display some measure of responsiveness to the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I, I just kind of summarize and and say is this, imagine standing before God, you know, let's just imagine that you were not a believer, you stood before him on judgment day, and God said, look, you really don't have any excuse, because even when you heard the word of God, you yourself did not want to investigate it fuller, uh, to a more fuller extent. So even if the opportunity was before you, you've already been condemned because you've decided this is not something you want. Mm -hmm. That's, that'd be pretty difficult to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we pick it up in verse 13? Yep. All right, here we go. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? And again, he's talking to his disciples. How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word, which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those who are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's 13 to 20. Yeah, so Jesus now explains 
a little bit about his parable. Yeah. Right? We know that... He often goes into explanation. Yeah, we know that the sower sows the word. Yeah. Um, The gospel, essentially. Right. So, who's the sower? Yeah. Well, Um, it'd be you and I. mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sharing the gospel. Yeah. Sharing the good news. Yep. Um, Spreading the word of of really what this week is all about, the week of Easter, the week of his death and resurrection. Now, at this point, Jesus has not been on the cross, <laughs> right? Uh, but he is preaching a message of repentance and forgiveness. Um, and, and so really he just wants us to point people to him. Right. Um, so there's all kinds of different people here. There's some on the side of the road, right? Yep. Uh, he says, uh, in the first group of people, so that first group of people, uh, back in verses three and four, yep. they were along, fell along the path. Right. Uh, so that would be that same group or that same category. Yeah. Are those people who are, are just along? It corresponds with it. Side the road, right? Yep. Um, where Satan immediately takes it. Yep. So, you know, here it says the word is sown. Mm-hmm. So it was it was planted. Right. Um, and they heard it. Right. But Satan took it right away. Right. So there was no time for it to germinate right for it to start growing in yep. any fashion for it to seep down yeah yeah so that was kind of the first group which let's just pause there for a minute you know if you think about sharing the gospel with other people rarely do you have somebody respond to the gospel right away because growth takes time mm-hmm. uh, but you can certainly see people reject it right away I mean, if you've ever been someone who's tried to share the gospel with a family member, a friend, somebody who's in absolute denial and refusal of the gospel, uh, you can see, I mean, Satan has blinded the eyes of the unbelieving, as it says in 2 Corinthians. So sometimes I wonder if when it says here that Satan takes away, uh, takes the seed away, really it's just these people have already decided in their heart, I want nothing to do with that. It's Their heart is already rock hard. It's not going to grow anyway. And the moment that Satan gives them an idea or gives them some type of excuse to walk away from the message, they take it, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah. And then it says, yeah, it continues. And remember, I think the perspective here is really important. Yes. We got to remember, yep. if we're the, the sowers. Yes. And we're casting out the seed. Yep. That was the only instruction, right? Mm-hmm. That was given by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Throw the seed. Mm-hmm. Throw the word out there. Yep. Share the gospel. Yep. That was our only instruction. Right. And I think that's really, really important here because I think we can take these so these these seeds and these where it lands and we can get real complicated into who's saved, mm-hmm. who's not saved. Mm-hmm. When I'm not sure that's my problem. Right. <laughs> right. It needs to be a motivation and a consideration for my own walk. Yeah. But I yeah. But we've only been instructed just to share the gospel. Right. And we know that, yes, yep. the seed is going to be snatched by Satan. Mm-hmm. The seed in this next one is yep. going to fall on rocky ground. Yes. Uh, you know, where they hear the word and they immediately receive it with joy. Mm-hmm. So kind of gets more complicated here. Yeah, it does. Um, because they do hear the word mm-hmm. and they receive it with joy. So there isn't rejection. Right. There's a response and growth. Yep. But then they have no root Mm -hmm. in themselves, Mm -hmm. but endure for a while. Then when tribulation and persecution arises uh, on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So when they're challenged Mm -hmm. with 
standing up for the truth. Yep. Um, they pretty much say, oh, no, 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 I'm not about that. Yeah. So it's kind of a rejection of, of what they've heard. It may sounded good right away, mm-hmm. but when it came down to it, yeah. no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And here it says immediately they fall away. You could also translate it as our cause to stumble, right? And this is kind of the one of the arguments we're having in the book of Hebrews right now, even at church as we're walking through this series, is what do the warning passages themselves point to? And they are difficult to interpret, assuredly, because what do you do with someone who responds to the gospel? And um, then when persecution comes their way, then they stumble or they fall. I mean, think about this, Kyle. Like, how many people in America right now I mean, we're just starting as Christians, just starting to face minor forms of persecution. How do we really, really know who's going to be able to stand in those moments? Um, It's certainly a a question to ask. We've got to be prepared to know that God is going to test us in these times. Well, that's why the book of Hebrews is so adamant about the church gathering. Yes, absolutely. staying together. Absolutely. And encouraging each other on. Yeah. Um, I know I think about those things often. Of, of persecution or what's going to happen in the future. What am I willing to do for the gospel? <laughs> um, yeah. And of course, in this moment in our church that we're freely allowed to go to right. <laughs> and freely allowed to do this podcast, yes, um, it's easy to say I would die for Christ. Yes. Easy to say it in, in this atmosphere. Yeah. But the reality is that could, that could be something that happens someday mm-hmm. um, where I do have to stand in that place. Yeah. Of, of facing death. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's possibly getting closer and closer. And I don't want to say we're anywhere near some of the other places in the world that are doing it now and facing martyrdom. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it's it's coming and it's coming pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, I, do, I do see the Christian faith being boldly challenged in mainstream media. Yeah. Because we more stand and for more truth. common, yeah, it's more and more common, and now it's becoming as if Christians are foolish. So we see this this place of yeah, there's we're going to see people fall away, and we're going to see um, some churches um, tighten up. Absolutely, you know, there's just a few things that came to my mind, and I just have to read them, Kyle. I hope we're okay on uh, time for this episode, but you know, I was thinking of First Corinthians chapter one. Uh, verse 18, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, right? Um, the word of the cross is just foolishness to those who are are perishing. And I think we have to remember that Christians have always been a misunderstood people. We've always been seen as fools. Uh, we stand for truth, ultimate truth. We stand for one Lord, one Savior, one faith. Uh, And that's going to be difficult. And then the mention you made a minute ago from Hebrews 10, verse 25, uh, how we should, you know, make sure we love each other and and stimulate one another to good deeds, but also verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's, Let's talk about that for a moment, just a brief moment since we're in this category, because I think this second one is really relevant to where we're at as a culture right now. You know, you and I have both seen just the difficulty of people really not remaining faithful to church. Mm-hmm. And that this whole thing of attending church can become legalistic if you're not careful. Uh, but at the same time, 
the word here is advocating that you should never make it a habit to stop attending church, that it's actually a sin. Mm-hmm. It's not a preference. It is a sin if you're not involved with a, a body of believers. It's just a command to be a part of a church family. Yeah, and I you mean, know? that's that's clear in Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like you, and like you've said, and you said this from the pulpit, it doesn't mean you need to be at church every single week. Right. Right? It's not a checklist. Right. Uh, you can go on vacation. Right. You can go do other things. Yeah. But are you actively involved in the body of that's Christ? It. That's 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 really what it's all about. Yep. There's no, you know, number of days a year you have to meet. There's right. none of that where kind of the human mind can go. Where well, what's enough? Right. Well, we know what's enough. Jesus is enough. Right. That's <laughs> it's right. completed. Right. That's right. So the going to church is a obedience thing. Right. Um, and it it should be something that drives us. We're obedient to Christ, so we go to church, even if it's hard, even if it's something we don't always enjoy, even right. if it's got all the ups and the downs, and it, yep. it becomes rocky. All of those things. Yeah. It's it's going to happen, and so, but we have to be obedient to God. Yep. More than anything else. Yes. And that and that's the point. Uh, and and just to speak to that as well due to church attendance, you know, when persecution starts to arise, you're going to hope you had a deep uh, church body that you belong to, mm-hmm. uh, strong believers. You know, if, if you're a church hopper, uh, if, if you're someone who doesn't have a home church and you kind of just listen online, if, if it's because of COVID reasons, you know, let me be fair, um, you should actively be a a part of a church body via Zoom or some type of Zoom Bible study, staying in fellowship. So I'm trying to leave, uh, you know, certain circumstances out. But I'm, I'm speaking to the individuals who they would say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I, I refuse to be a part of a church body. You know, when persecution arises, where are you going to go? Who's going to encourage you? Mm-hmm. You know, who who's going to help you to stand, as it says in Hebrews 10, 25? Well, the the reality is they're going to fall away. Yeah, you're not going to have that. <laughs> not going to have right. a, something to stand on. Right. Uh, and I, that's going to be tough. Yeah. And, and I think this second uh, category here, that's what it speaks to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you may have heard it. You may have felt the joy of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. But if you're not mm-hmm. obedient to Jesus and right. you're not following him and you're not a part of a body to mm-hmm. encourage you, right. to help you grow, right. to give you those roots, right. you're going to fall away. Yeah. And and I think it's difficult too, because we so often have a consumeristic mentality of church where, you know, we show up and we attend and it's all about whether I like everything or not. Mm -hmm. In reality, like you're called to attend church because you're there to minister to others, to be ministered to by the word of God and to encourage other people. You know, we are to encourage one another as the day draws near. And uh, I don't know, what does it say about a person's walk, I'm not necessarily questioning everybody's salvation, but what would it say about a person's walk if they said, yeah, I'm cool with Jesus, but I don't want to be with his people. It's like, well, have you realized that you're a sinner? Have you realized that there are people in the church that need your love? Or is it just all about you? You know, it's a it's a big problem in our culture today. And I think this category is kind of a warning against that. Let's let's try to get through the next two categories. We're, at, <laughs> we're rolling. Right we're at up. about half an hour, but let's let's try to knock these out. Let's do it. Um, so we continue here, um, verse eighteen. And others are the ones sown among thorns. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are those who hear the word, 
Yep. But the cares of the world yeah. and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I mean, it kind of goes right along a little bit with what we were already talking about. Yes. Uh, you know, we're in a world where that's super deceitful. Yeah. Uh, I would say even in the culture of Christianity, uh, there's some spiritual abuse. Oh man, uh, that happens all the Robbie time. Robbie Zacharias, all this stuff. Uh, yeah, people you people you think were champions of faith, yep, and they come out to be disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and the reality is, I'm I'm not really shocked. Yeah, not a lot now. Of the time. I've been living long enough now. I'm not shocked. Yeah, I mean, I would have been shocked back then because I believe sin gets everybody. <laughs> That's why we need Jesus. It does. Um, it so does. I'm not shocked. I mean, I would hope that. That type of sin wasn't happening. Yeah. Um, you know, I know I fully know Ravi Zacharias was a sinner. Mm-hmm. I fully know everybody's a sinner right. besides Jesus. So <laughs> yeah, it's true. not a shock. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, there are things in this world that are going to uh, be really tough that are going to come along and and maybe drive you or try to drive you in another direction. And yeah. sometimes people get choked out by those things, and and it could really be anything. I kind of just had an epiphany for whatever reason. I always viewed these categories uh, like a staircase. Like, man, if you were that first category, then of course, like, man, you'd never receive it. And then, yeah, like, you know, if you grew up a little bit and then you died out by the sun, like it was just a temporary walk. And then then the third one is, yeah, you grew up all the way and then the worries of the world. But a thought I just had is like, okay, category number two, these people fall away because of persecution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In category number three, these people fall away because of the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things that enter in and choke the word. Like, which one seems more difficult? Persecution in the faith or dealing with money and the desires of the world? One, persecution is more in your face causing you to fall away, Mm -hmm. but the desires of the world creep in almost unnoticed and choke out your productivity as a believer. Which I think this one relates really well to America. Yes, Or first world countries. Countries that don't have much need to worry about resources. Um, You know, I'm not going to say everyone in America has resources, Mm -hmm. but uh, we have a lot of of resources here. So I would just say this this one can really get a society uh, like America, like first world countries that have a lot of things because, you know, I I, I got what I I need. I'm comfortable. I'm good, or I'm rich. Mm-hmm. Why do I need anything else? Um, and it just kind of takes you away. Even if you heard the gospel, maybe you grew up in church, maybe the whole thing, and you, and you went years. You thought you were following, you know, you were following the Lord, and all of a sudden things got good, and you're like, I don't need that anymore. And it kind of drove you away from truth because you thought you were good enough. Yeah, uh, that I, that's scary to me. Yeah, to think I've got so much in my life, I'm blessed so much that I just don't need Jesus anymore. I don't know. I don't think. I don't know. That that's a hard one for me. I'm not. I don't really feel that way. <laughs> so that's hard. But I can. I can see people say, you know what? I don't need that stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah. They've become. I think it says in First Peter, no, Second Peter, chapter one. You know, you have forgotten the the sins that you have uh, been set free from. Uh, um, it's a very loose quotation, but you know, you have forgotten your former sins and you've gone backwards. This is so hard. Because I I can completely see how the temptation 
to be enthralled with something other than Jesus is a possibility with the world that we live in where it's like something is shiny and glamorous everywhere you turn around. Mm-hmm. It's it's easy to fulfill our heart with other entertainments and desires. And I don't even know if entertainment in and of itself is a bad thing, but the exhaustion of all entertainments to where nothing is ever enough, and then you're no longer captivated by Jesus, I think that's a dangerous place to be in. Because then everything you know about Jesus just becomes rote, uh, becomes cyclical, going through the motions, religious. Mm-hmm. So you can perform on the outside, but on, on the inside, there's really no joy of Jesus in there. Yeah, it's almost like keeping Jesus at arm's length. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm okay. I know you, you, Jesus. I go to church on Sunday. Enough to save me. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe in you. Yeah, but um, don't call but, me to sacrifice. But sometimes I just want to do what I want to do. Yeah, and then that I want to do what I want to do. The arm gets longer, <laughs> it grows, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he just keeps... The arm thing, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps pushing Jesus further and further, Yeah, uh, or almost like getting choked out, right, by the thorns, where it almost becomes where Jesus isn't even an afterthought, right? because there's no fruit. Yeah. You just continue to seek things that are immediate pleasures, but we'll eventually find out that those aren't even pleasures anymore. Mm-hmm. They become worthless. You know what I find interesting in these first three categories? I think other than the one snatched up by Satan, it's not 100% obvious, 100% as to what the final destination of these people are. The second and the third category had growth to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what what is Jesus intending to say with that? You right. know, So that's a good question. Verse 20, the last category. Yeah, it says, but those who were sown on the good soil yep. are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Yep. So we've got the the seed goes into the soil, the soil produces a plant, yep. the plant produces a fruit, and it produces it over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, so here we see the health, a healthy fruit, right. or a healthy plant, right. uh, a seed that, that bears fruit, mm-hmm. and sounds like somebody who is following... What the sower had to seed. You know, I've always had a presupposition that I bring to the table here that I don't think is correct. Almost every time I read it, I have to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, I need to set that aside. Mm-hmm. If you're not careful, you can get this view of the person in the fourth category as someone who's always on fire for Christ and never does anything wrong. You know, like they're a Christian goody two shoes kind of like this person their their life is just awesome nothing ever goes wrong for them well you know well i i you know and i and i've again i think there's another epiphany for for me in this moment i i work on a farm now mm-hmm. and most people if you, if you know me i i grew up in the city so uh that's <laughs> that was nothing that I, I planned on doing uh so i'm pastoring but i also i also work for a seed company a farm and, and i'm out there and and i grow things and being a seed company you know that the seed comes from the plant from right. the fruit right? right essentially so if somebody is has accepted the word and they're bearing fruit right. and that fruit continues yep. one over another yep. That means they're also spreading the gospel. Yes. That's what this means. Yes. They are spreading the seed yep. of the fruit. Yep. <laughs> so they are actually sharing the gospel. Yep. The other people yep. 
yep. that we talked about, these other first three categories, yep. they did not share the gospel. Right. There was no fruit. There was no seed to share right. because they never produced it. Right. I think it really points to, as followers of Christ, mm-hmm. good fruit is sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's our. Yes. That's our. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And through sharing the gospel, more people will come to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it comes all the way down to why we started this podcast, where we got the idea of be a disciple, make a disciple. It goes back to Tim Reed. Yeah. Multiplication yeah. through discipleship through yeah. sharing the gospel. I mean, it comes down to all that. D- Jesus knows that when you spread the seed, those who produce good fruit will spread the seed even further, and they'll keep spreading it, and they'll keep spreading it over and over again. Yeah, I think a healthy believer who has received something from the Lord has something to give from the Lord to other people, Mm -hmm. that being the Lord himself. And, you know, not everybody has the gift of evangelism, as it's often been said, but if you love someone like crazy, wouldn't you want to talk about them? And everybody has their own ways of doing that, their own methods of doing that, their own avenues of doing that. But Jesus is something that you keep, you can't keep silent at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And this individual, more than likely, if we take the other categories, they've withstood the temptation of Satan going back to the first category, they've probably withstood persecution. They've probably withstood the temptation of deceitfulness of riches and worldly desires. And they keep bearing fruit because it's like they weather the elements and they just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And they just, Jesus is who they love. So they speak of him often and they bear fruit, you know? Amen. I know this passage can can get into, you know, which one of these is is saved and which one of these, um, you know, is in heaven, uh, which one of these seeds, uh, you know, are these people, and we, we almost refer to them as people. And, and I think it just, I don't think that's what Jesus is teaching here in, in the sense of you are the sower. Right. Go sow the seed I gave you. Right. And keep doing that. Right. And dive in more. Ask more questions, grow, right? Till up the soil, make yes. it nice, yep, and allow your allow it to grow and to produce more fruit, yep. So you can continue to go out and mature, yep, and bear more and toss more seed and Amen. toss more seed. Amen. Um, I you know I think you can get in plenty of arguments, but Jesus knows who's saved. Mm-hmm. I don't save, right? I can't 100% know if somebody's saved, really only by what they do, mm-hmm. by their actions, mm-hmm. uh, if they are going out and sharing the gospel themselves. Mm-hmm. I would say that would, be, that would be an example of someone I would think is saved. Right. Uh, but I cannot know 100% if yeah. somebody else is saved. You don't know somebody's heart. So the reality is, Jesus is saying, you go sow the seed, I'll take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. And just go teach the gospel. You know, to be fair, I, w- I do want to say this. Although I don't know if somebody is saved or not, I do fully believe that an individual can know themselves that they are saved. You know, the Bible says in Romans, you know, when we're saved inside our spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. You know, God through the Holy Spirit confirms to us that we are his children. So although I may never know the internal heart experience of another individual, I can read the scriptures and I can see that I have assurance based upon my own experience. Mm -hmm. Like I know that I know that I know 
because in my heart, man, I cry out, oh, Jesus, I want you. Oh, Father God, I love you. Help me just as this poor man who needs you so badly. I know that experience, so I know I'm safe, right? Because my experience matches up with Jesus's words, and there's my assurance, you know? I just don't know 100% if that's in everybody else's heart. Yeah. Right. All right. So um, we're going to go ahead and end right here. Um, uh, Thank you for joining us for this episode as we continue our study in the book of Mark. Please just support us by sharing this episode to other people. We just want people to know the gospel. Get it out. And uh, really continue to learn and grow uh, in their walk with Jesus Christ. It's kind of a pun. We talked about growing today, (laughs) Uh, sowing seeds and growing. But uh, get out there, share the gospel, share this podcast, and thank you so much for listening in, and, and have a wonderful day.